Welcome to Interverse Podcast, Season 2, Episode 6. My name is Chance. Today I will be talking to Jamie Seed. Jamie Seed is a photographer of great renown in the music festival community of the Midwest of these United States of America. He's a super cool guy. Awesome zinned out perspectives on everything that we talked about. And he recently went up to the uh, pipeline protest that was going on in North Dakota and got some photography there, got the stories of some people there, and just, you know, he just wanted to check it out for himself, and you'll hear him talk about that. But anyway, Jamie's just the man. Every time I see him, I'm having the best time of my life. It's usually because I'm at a music festival or something like that, but, uh, you know, he just, the man knows where the good stuff is, and he takes pictures of it. He's always around some of the best festivals in the area, especially the Deadhead Productions festivals like Hillberry, uh, Funkberry, uh, Highberry, you know, all them berries he's around. And yeah, you're going to definitely see him if you go to anything at the farm in this coming year of 2017, where there will be a lot of Deadhead Productions festivals going on. So... I'll get to the episode here. I don't really think I've got anything to tell you guys about. I'm sitting in my car here trying to do an introduction, and I'm like, man, is there anything important to say? Probably not. If there was, I, you know, I'll add it later. The most important thing to say is thank you for looking into this show and checking it out. And I hope that if you like the podcast and it inspires you to do something uh, creative, tell me about it. Send me a picture of it. Show me your music. I want to see what you guys are doing. I want to have a, a community get, get going here where we're all, you know, not just contributing like, hey, look at me, look what I made, but let's start getting some collaborations going. I want to see some interverse collabs happen sooner than later. So, you know, one artist meets another through the group or something along those lines. I don't know. It's up to you guys to do that. I can't do it. So I don't know how it's going to work, but it will happen. So thank you guys for you know, all the cool messages that I've gotten and just generally supporting the show. Just make sure you share it if you want to help out the show. That is really the most important thing at this point is we, uh, you know, if we want to make this neat community of creative people, we're going to need to add people to that community. <laughs> it's just that easy. So that's up to you guys also. All I can do is worry about making it the show, I mean. And that's, you know, that's the backseat to what is really going on, which is the really cool creations of you the human beings that are listening with your ears right now i love you guys thank you again for listening jamie thanks you go look at jamie's photography at jamieseed.com or just look up jamie seed photography on facebook the man is a really really good photographer you're gonna see like cool flow art photography awesome stage photography you name it he's done it and that's it we're gonna get on to the episode now I don't know what accent that was. But yeah, once again, I love you. Be cool to each other. Be cool in general. Remember, all you gotta do to be cool is just decide you're cool. All right, much love.
Okay. Everybody, welcome Jamie C. to the podcast. Give him a lot of love. This guy is super awesome. Jamie is a photographer. You probably know a lot of his work if you've gone to any uh, festivals around the Midwest or other shows or events, or maybe he did like wedding pictures for you or something. He does all kinds of stuff. Welcome, Jamie. Hey, thanks, Chance. I appreciate you uh, bringing me on, man. It's, uh, it's exciting. I look forward to seeing where this conversation takes us. Yeah. So how would you introduce yourself besides photographer? Because, of course, you're not just that. Man, uh, that's a good question. I'm, uh, I'm kind of in the past, you know, I, you know, actually that's a funny question because, uh, here lately I've gotten into this thing, uh, me and some friends have been joking about, uh, it's a term that I, that I've been using for years, but it just started to resonate with some of my friends. It's a festivarian, a veteran festivarian at this point. Um, and, uh, and so, but they, you know, um, uh, moving more into production stuff here in the past couple of years with deadhead productions and, uh, other, other entities um, is, is really exciting. I've always been uh, the counterculture. Uh, the American counterculture has always been of interest to me, the psychedelic counterculture, especially starting with the Ken Kesey and the pranksters and going into, uh, or even the beat generation, you know, and going into, uh, you know, that, that connection they had with Neil Cassidy and the, in the, uh, the pranksters movement into the grateful dead. And then into where we are now with the, uh, with our American music festival scene. It's uh it's, uh, um, you know, I'm, I don't know, man, I, but, uh, really just, uh, I like to think of myself as a, as an artist, I guess, basically, you know, but, uh, art takes so many forms, you know, photography and I think event production is an art form and it's something I've always oh, been fascinated yeah. with. And, uh, I, I have, I can't say that I've done a whole lot. I can't claim too many victories as far as what's happened with anything I've been involved with, with like the dead production stuff those guys are awesome and they're doing a great job. Uh, but I'm steady taking notes and learning, you know, and, uh, and trying to, uh, to envision the future. Um, I like to dream, you know, and like, like hatch ideas and plot schemes, you know? Yeah. I think that whenever you get to travel a lot and you get to see a lot of people and the way that you do gives you a really good perspective on, on what the world is actually turning into versus you know what we're getting force fed by the mainstream media and oh, yeah you're definitely a, a great countercultural representative you look like a beat nick actually <laughs> like <laughs> a lot of people with a beard look kind of like just a hipster but you actually look like a beat nick like a guy looks like he reads books <laughs> <laughs> i'm glad to hear that i have my, my add has gotten me in the past couple of years i don't i don't consume nearly as much a uh, written word as i used to in paper form at least but uh that's good I'm, <laughs> i'll take that i like the beats so that's that's cool i've thought of that i thought of that myself like man i really don't read as much as i used to but then i started weighing that against the other ways that i take in information consciously and intentionally and I take in a fuckload of audio information. Absolutely. So, so many podcasts or audio books, things like that, like straight up lectures. Sometimes they're not even really like a conversation podcast, just somebody telling you like basically like you're getting a class for free. All this is out there. And I realized not very long ago, Oh, this is actually maybe just as good as reading because if you put reading on the timeline of human history, We've been doing it for a couple hundred years in mass. I mean, we've had writing for a long time, but like how long has the average person been, you know, subjected to a lot of reading just for normal life? Not right. very long. So that's, that's a good point. 
And most of the time in human history, we took in our information from oral traditions. So yeah. I'm not saying don't read because read is way faster and a good way to learn for sure. Well, yeah, no, that's a great point though. And, uh, and you know, we have this, all these new tools that have never existed before that can connect us in, in these new ways. And so, yeah, it's, I like that thought. Um, you know, the oral tradition is, uh, is taking a new direction with the podcasts and stuff. It's, uh, it's good. It gives me a new perspective on what we're doing right here. I think it's, it's great. Right. It's important. I think, um, because whenever I get into a good podcast, and if that's one thing that making a podcast does, I hope it helps other people get into other podcasts that didn't before. But when, I, when I'm when i sitting in on one, it's almost like I'm actually in the conversation with the people, but I'm just remaining silent, which is right. something I never do in a real conversation. <laughs> it's good to be a listener, though, too. That's a very valuable skill. And, uh, you know, we all have our... It's like everybody, everybody should, you know, I don't know, in my mind, at least I'm the teacher sometimes. And sometimes I'm the student. I think we, it's good to listen, you know, and, uh, I love listening to intelligent conversation from people smarter than me and, um, more knowledgeable than me in different areas, you know? Yeah. I love when Joe Rogan has some crazy neurobiologist on and they just drop all kinds of information. That's just like extremely technical. And I have to go back and listen to it three times just to absorb anything useful right on yeah take notes and go google it and, and then i drop bro science on somebody in a podcast myself and act like i actually know what i'm talking about and probably <laughs> <act> wrong. <laughs> I'm fact checker <laughs> don't we all my friend don't we uh, all well we've got one in our pocket except maybe we don't because there's a lot of false news apparently which i guess has been going on since the beginning of newspapers when you had yellow journalists that would write fake stories just to bring down an opposing corporation or something like that. So I guess all the fake news that we get about current events right now is just another form of sort of uh, political manipulation. Yeah, no, totally. I was just thinking about that a few minutes ago. Somebody linked me uh, to a, I mean, we live in this information age where we get inundated with, with, you know, I mean, you and I right now, you, you have a media outlet. This is your, this is a media outlet that you created, you know, this podcast I've got, you know, we can all make one ourselves. It doesn't require any barrier of entry. So the, uh, the fact checking and the, the veracity of all these forms of media, we've, as we've gained access to the media and it's become more personal that we could all be our own media outlet, we are definitely losing the, the veracity of it in a sense. And I think that that's, uh, you know, something we all need to be super hyper aware of. That's actually one of the reasons that I went to Standing Rock this weekend is because I just, I've been following that for months and I just got to the point where I couldn't believe anything I was reading about it because it was so, there were so many conflicting things that they couldn't both be true. You know what I mean? Like if you listen to the police side, we didn't spray them with water. We didn't throw a, you know, an explosive flashbang and blow that girl's arm off. And then you see the drone footage, you know, and they're blasting these people with water. And so I don't know, but there, but then on the other side as well, there was, there was misinformation and shield, you know, now that I've been there, I really believe there was, there was uh, paid, you know, insiders on, you know, uh, amidst the campers and, and water protectors uh, trying to discredit that movement because um, it seemed very sacred and very serious to me on site there. You know, uh, but that's something that we, you know, through this election, we saw so much of it. It's, of course, become a big news story now about the fake news and Google and Facebook are trying to find ways to combat it. And it's very deep and complicated questions of who gets to decide what's truth or not in this information age. You know, how do you censor fake news without censoring real truth? And I think you're going to get both sides of 
uh, a story, truth and untruth are going to be mixed in on both sides now. But a big problem, I think, is the way that you're essentially just served uh, information by Google or by Facebook that it thinks that you want based on your history. The so filter bubble keeps everybody in their own lane, keeps everyone in their own thought bubble. Like from my perspective, everybody is nice and happy all the time because I just unfollow shitty people on Facebook. Yeah, exactly. Curation <laughs> of friends. Yeah. Um, but you know, at the same time, I like, I love, you know, I've, I've kind of gotten to this point now where I, I enjoy having conversations with people that I completely disagree with in every way, you know, because we need to keep that door open, I think, you know, and, um, and yeah, it's very easy. Like I do the same thing, you know, I mean, I unfollow, you know, if, if, you know, if I don't like what somebody's saying at a certain point, especially if they're being rude or hateful, um, you know, at a certain point, uh, I'm just not gonna, I'm not gonna watch it anymore. Not gonna subscribe to it anymore, of course. But, um, at the same time, I think there's some, some deep strength and truth in uh, listening to the other side, you know, uh, because I think that we're becoming so much more divided. I think this election showed it, you know, like this, it's like a, it's like a crucible of sorts. Like we're like, we're like, um, we're it like our, our filter bubbles are so separated that it's like made this crazy chemical reaction where even though we're still 99% the same, you know, me and my, you know, people that I like and love, but totally disagree with and our opinions are so different, but we're getting fed information that for each of our biases, we totally take as fact because it confirms our preexisting biases. And then it further puts you into your category where you get angrier and angry at the people that don't think the way you do, you know, um, and it's a trap, you know? Um, and I think that, that bad things are coming of it and we, we have to find a way to start listening to each other and realizing that we can disagree and not just hate each other, you know? Yeah. Um, disagreements don't have to be divisions. Yeah. You can but, be polite and totally disagree with somebody, you know? Yeah. Um, both the election and the Standing Rock thing were hugely divisive issues. And you find people that were in certain filter bubbles actually without even having any information on the topic at all, if you brought it up to them, uh, they might actually just react with a bunch of arguments as to why a pipeline is okay or why they should probably, talking points, yeah, talking points, but they didn't even, a lot of times though, some of these people didn't even get the talking points served to them. Like yeah. they, were, they were themselves pre-programmed with the talking points before they, and I was their first exposure to the information about the pipeline. Oh, right on. Yeah. Yeah. You know what I mean? what mean? And they're yeah. just immediately like ready to defend, uh, defend it instantaneously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I know exactly what you mean. And that that's, uh, it's kind of a scary phenomenon in a way like this, this absolute wall goes up when you, when you talk about certain, certain points, like, you know, the left versus right thing, you know, talking about, you know, big oil in general, you know, I mean, it's in some circles, it's taboo to, to criticize big oil because they're job creators, you know, and they're, uh, they're, they're how our world works, you know, um, I don't know, but there's a lot of hot button issues like that, that I know what you mean. The, the instant wall goes up. Um, there's a lot of issues that our politicians don't, our politicians don't even ever bring up. Like there's still a lot of people that die of cigarettes that never really gets brought up. Um, okay. That's a, maybe a freedom thing, but there's a, now apparently more people, and this is something I need a fact checker for, but I'm pretty sure this is a fact. There's a more people that are uh, using prescription pain pills and like opiate 
type pain pills than there are actually using tobacco products in the country. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that's maybe one of the ways that certain subgroups of people are able to be manipulated one direction or another more easily. I think that that is why, or on a, uh, like, you know, controlling the people, uh, agenda type of idea. I think that's why we're sort of being herded into these lanes or these subculture groups, because it's almost like an ex- a bunch of experiments that they can run side by side. Like we can test this disinformation in this subgroup, see how they react before we move it to another group. Um, and, you know, through doing it, through manipulating those levers in just the right way, they can maybe get the entire country to swing one direction or another, like just by starting with this group, getting them on a side, and then this other group will react a certain way they know. You know what I mean? I, oh, yeah. It's, it's all very like Illuminati type of idea, of course, but essentially I think the only, way, the only thing we need to do and the only answer is just the same as it's always been, which is love and compassion and, and honest acceptance of the other without judgment. And that means they get to have their opinion and you don't have to be right. And you don't have to care if they're right or not. You can just be like, cool, man. Because if you just let them have their position, they'll be a lot more likely if you're in a conversation that's polarized. That is, if you just let them have their position, don't fight them on it. Don't try to convince them they're wrong about anything. Just be like, yeah, I accept that, that, you know, you're allowed to think that, um, or there's some truth to that. Even you could say there is truth to that. You don't have to even say it's the truth. Just say there's truth to that. I've done this experiment myself personally with like a guy that was really getting up in my face about how Jesus is really the only thing and everything's going bad and Jesus has come back. And I was just like, he was like getting almost violent (laughs) and, uh, you know, just a crazy walk. (laughs) excuse me anyway he's getting really crazy and i i was just like the more i resisted him the more he would get in my face and so i was eventually like yeah there's truth to that that's cool man and he just like backed down and calmed down and then he sort of accepted my position too and instead of like fighting it but they people will just get so defensive if they think that you are challenging attacking or attacking they're wrong because they so many times we identify ourselves by these categorizations and uh so we take it as an attack on our actual being whenever someone yeah totally veracity of what we believe oh yeah and then there's the whole you know that that's this part of it is a self-defense mechanism because you know if you create cognitive dissonance in someone if if you rock their foundation or somebody rocks your foundation of your beliefs that's a scary place to be you know we all will fight to to stay out of that area of our mind you know um if we have deeply held beliefs especially when it comes to religion you know of course Um, uh, but uh yeah it's uh it's it's something that i've been trying to temper lately because i have a i have an argumentative streak you know um even though i I like i'm I'm like a people pleaser on one hand, but then at the other, at the other end, it's like, I like to argue points, you know, and, uh, and it's pointless 99% of the time because you're not going to change somebody's mind. But one thing that I have gotten to, uh, appreciate here lately is kind of the, I have this theory about social media that, um, for every, 
for every one person that, that interacts with you on social media, there is a shitload more people that see it that don't interact, you know? So sometimes like I find myself in conversations with people and I'll be thinking, I'm not going to convince this person of anything, but for the reader, you know, like, like ah. to almost like draw, draw out, draw out the, 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 the logical fallacies or whatever, or, you know, I, sometimes it's me that's the fool, you know, but at the same time, if, if, if it can help the community learn by watching me be wrong, you know, or, or whatever, or me learning from somebody else, you know what I'm saying? It's like, we're, I've, I've developed this idea that like Facebook and, and these social media sites are the new newspaper of the 21st century. Basically the vast majority of people just read it like a passive consumer. They don't interact with it at all. They just lurk and watch people, you know, and, uh, and that kind of goes back to that Terrence, uh, the Terrence McKenna quote, you know, like uh, there's consumers of social media that just lurk and they just watch it happen like a TV show. And then there's the actors that actually act in it, you know? Um, and so there's a, there's, there's some element of, uh, almost like performance art to it, but, uh, <laughs> to have two way, two way or three way or more conversations, um, like just yesterday, I was having this really great uh, interaction with uh, a guy named Mark Luno. That's a um, uh, really br- brilliant dude. That's uh, he ran the sound for uh, for the the Shrine stage at at uh, Hillbury this year. He's a he's a, a some kind of a engineer, you know, physicist. I mean, brilliant dude. But having conversations where people, you know, can interact. It's almost like a forum in a pub. It is a forum, but you know, having a asking questions and having people that know what they're talking about come in and, and just give these dissertations, you know, and it's for, it's for the greater, you know, for the, the community can, can enjoy that. You know, I don't know. It's a, I've, I've just kind of developed the, the theory that um, sometimes you, sometimes it's valuable to have respectful disagreements in public for the benefit of the, of the collective, you know? Yeah. And man, that's kind of exactly why I'm in to doing the podcast, not to disagree with people, but to like have um, a public forum for these types of conversations. And yeah, and yeah, not necessarily disagreements, but just conversations, you know, like let's, let's talk about some cool stuff, you know? But it would be interesting if we could have this level of discourse with the people that we're disagreeing with, because a lot of the time, whenever you do end up in a polarized conversation with somebody, whether it's more often than not, it is on Facebook through text or something, not, you know, a lot of times you don't have somebody arguing like dying by the sword for their argument with like crazy logical fallacies or whatever in a public forum, because that's a little more embarrassing to act out that way or something. I don't know, but I've seen people post the craziest shit, like relationship, dirty laundry, essentially like with each other. You know, like someone will post some, I'm so sad. And then another person will post, well, you shouldn't have cheated on me, asshole. And then it'll be a whole long, and then it disappears suddenly. <laughs> yeah. My favorite, I always like to joke it, it just kind of poke fun sometimes with, uh, with, uh, social media full pause like that. Like, uh, w- my favorite is the passive aggressive status updates that are really just to one person and they post it to the whole friend list, you know, and, uh, like, uh, like you really shouldn't have done me that way. You know, like, I don't know. It's, it's just, I don't know. It's a funny thing, but, um, I'm I've been there the too. You know? I'm, I, 
<laughs> I thank God that, uh, that I, that I didn't have to live my adolescence on social media. You know what I'm saying? Like it's a, it's, that's a crazy public forum to be learning about the world and how to, how to behave, you know, in a, in a very public way. So if you kind of so have sympathy much, for the kids that grow up on it. You have so much stimulus now that like humans in general, that, um, it takes, it takes a long time to master anything and you can only like focus on one thing at a time. So while you're a teenager, you might be so inundated with a sport that you're interested in or, um, just with keeping up with classes or just with, uh, developing a social life that you never bother learning how to say eat healthily or learning how to properly, um, have online etiquette <laughs> or something like that. You know, you have to, then you end up yeah. not learning that until your twenties or maybe some people get so stuck in their ways. They just never change. And that's, I don't know. That is probably what, needs to change most is um the way that we all think about learning and taking in information like i was saying before about podcasts being a really good way to take in information it's just not just about not just about uh taking in information but when you're listening to something in like a, a passive sense but also about taking in information about yourself at all times so instead of hitting post on that crazy rant about your ex or that passive aggressive, um, really sad face type of post that is just to get some kind of attention negative or positive right before you hit post, you go, Oh wait, wow. I'm doing this right now. This is what I want to do. And then not do it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awareness. That's a roundabout way of saying we need more awareness, Jamie C. Yeah. Yeah, we, we do. Need to we raise do. awareness. Absolutely. Self-awareness and awareness of uh, the, the people around us, you know. I know I'm certainly guilty of that sometimes, man. Like, self-awareness is a, is a hard deal, you know. Uh, being aware of, of, your, of your own, like, limitations and strengths, you know. Um, that's one thing that, that I think is a big it's like a, it's a big risk and a big reward with this new internet, you know, so not new now, but like this internet inter information age that we're in. It's like, like the filter bubble we were talking about earlier. I feel like there's like negativity and cynicism bubbles that, that you can get caught into as well. You know, like, like if you just like a political leaning, you know, you can find people that are just as dark as you could ever imagine that you could just lose yourself into. I feel like, uh, you know, that's a, that's a danger. That's one. I don't know. I feel like it's kind of all of our, all of our responsibilities to like blast some light into that, you know, cause the internet could be a pretty dark place, you know? Um, and, uh, and to, to just bring the, bring the joy and the light into it. Um, which is something I really enjoy with the photography. It's an easy way, um, to bring beauty and joy, um, into the, into the, the internet world, I guess, you know, and share, um, just a little moment of literally light, you know? Um, and it's just, it's, it's good for people and it, it gets, uh, I don't know. It just feel, it feels good to do it. It feels good that, you know, that people, that people feel it, you know, it's like a huh. connection medium, you know? And then we have music, you know, this, I don't know, man, I'm just fascinated with the internet, like our ability to, to, to touch each other with our, with our creativity, like instantaneously, you know, like have you ever thought about how we have this whole, like the whole electronic music just explosion that happened it was a revolutionary 
um, uh, uh, strategy of getting the music out there, like the way that like pretty lights, I, I don't, I'm sure there was others that did it before, before Derek did, but just the revolutionary act of giving away all your music on the internet, like flowing with, with the energy flow of like what Napster and LimeWire and BitTorrent and all that did. It's like, Hey, fuck it. Let's just hand it out. Like, let's get it out there, you know? And you can just, you know, SoundCloud and all this, you know, it just trips me out that, you know, we, we can create something and have it thunderclap around the world, like immediately, you know? Um, and we're still kind of, I think, waking up to the power for, for good, you know, of what we can do with that, you know? Yeah, each one of us couldn't potentially be seen by millions of the rest of us. Just yeah, like, and you have an idea like a meme, like the way a good meme just like can just like go around the world in a day, you know, like some funny idea, some concept. And, uh, you know, yeah, at any time, any one of us could break out this new thought or this new, um, you know, uh, generated creative thing that could just just ripple around the whole world you know well and what also is cool is you don't have to be the force that directly ripples throughout the entire world to still make a wave like even if only a couple hundred people end up hearing this podcast that we have over the course of a year if five of those people take away a certain idea about how maybe creativity is more important to them than they thought. And that maybe they'd feel more fulfilled if they found a way to express themselves to themselves. Uh, and then they express that through their creativity to however many dozens, hundreds, thousands of people that end up getting expressed to that's crazy. That's a huge wave. And absolutely. We never see anything but the beginning of the little ripple, but it could definitely be like butterfly flaps its wings in Spain and a building falls down in China. Yeah, totally. Totally. Yeah. We, you know, we'll never know. And that's, that's an amazing idea. You know? Yeah. Literally if even one to, to whoever that person might be out there, you know, uh, do it, do your thing, you know, do the thing. Well, I think, you know, for sure that like the biggest secret to creativity is to literally just do it. Um, the more you do, the more likely that the muse is going to strike for you in a way that's significant and special and unique, but oh yeah, sit down and your first time and make, you know, a masterpiece novel. The best writers tell you would say that you have to write every day. And like maybe one out of three days is actually good. Yeah, totally. Totally. You, have, you just have to show up. Mm -hmm. Show up at the true. page. Yeah, me too, man. And just, you know, yeah, that's what that, that whole thing. Just if you love something, even if you just suck at it, if you, if you love it, even if everybody else hates it, do it long enough. And even if nobody else ever likes it, at least you're happy, you know, but, uh, yeah, man, it's showing up at the page. Like it. Totally. Well, you're going to get, it's like Steve Jobs talked about that, you know, um, anything that you love, you're eventually going to get really, really good at if you, if you keep doing it, just, that's just the nature of, of, uh, of humanity and our, and our talents, you know, and adaptability, like, we're just going to keep progressing, you know? Um, and there's, there's innate talent, you know, like there's like me, I mean, I like, I, I have been doing photography for almost 10 years now and I had a pretty, I'd say I had a fairly good innate like starting point, you know, like I wasn't just awful, awful at it. But then like with music, like I like to play music, but I have very little innate 
talent in that, you know, it's a, it's a fun thing, but it's not, you know, I don't know. We all have our strengths, you know, but like finding something that just tickles you that makes, you know, this fun to do, you know? I see. I wonder about the strengths thing. Even I think there's got to be at least some truth to that. Maybe through um, genes and through maybe like past life, soul remembering certain things. But for the most part, I really think anybody can learn anything. And oh, totally, totally. Yeah, like yeah, a yeah. Creative skill, since everything is basically like relative, and nothing is better than another creation. If it's just a creation for the sake of it, then then the talent thing kind of, I don't know. It just, I'm just trying to be careful with my language. And I feel like the talent idea um, was disempowering to me at a point in my life where right I told myself that I wasn't talented or that I wasn't good at drawing, for example. And like, literally I shut out the idea of drawing or doing graphic art from my my own mind from the ages of like, probably like 13 to 23, which is wow. It's kind of crazy for like a decade. I could have been, you know, doodling like I did the first 10 years of uh, my life. Whenever I, from when I could start to, uh, you know, when I was like 12 or 13, I drew all the time, but then at some point, and I don't even know exactly where the idea got into my head that I wasn't good at it or that uh, therefore I shouldn't do it. And right. that was in there. It sort of, my brain was like, well, we have all these memories of drawing and stuff. I guess well, we should just uh, archive those, right? Because they don't apply anymore to the new rules that have been set down, which is that uh, we, don't, we never draw. <laughs> I was actually, I was at Walker watching Bass Nectar, and then all of a sudden, like, I remembered all the stuff I used to draw when I was a kid. And when I got home from that festival, I just started drawing again. And I've been doing it for maybe two years now since then. But it was, it was crazy. Like, my brain actually locked that out completely. So I'm sure that that goes for a lot of people who are sitting there thinking like, man, what is my creative passion? What do I even want to do? Well, I don't know. I can't answer that for you. But there isn't a wrong way to do any of it. So just whatever you Absolutely. have to do is, your, is a good starting point whatever yeah whatever i feel like and you know you you're right absolutely right man and like uh like what i was just saying about me with music i hope that doesn't discourage anybody from from doing from trying or exploring anything and that really is like my that's like my drawing that you were just talking about like you're like you're hang up with drawing i've always had that with music and like i've played in a touring band like i you know what i'm saying like I, i'm always like super hard on myself about it but it's just like i don't know somebody said something to me as a child or something you know what i mean it's like something like stuck in my head and i really have a i have like a resolution that i've been working on to get over that negativity because why why should i tell myself that you know what i'm saying like why limit myself like that nobody yeah why why shouldn't you be good good at something yeah yeah to be good at it is do it repeatedly so yeah yeah do it and you know that uh, so much of uh, so much of our world, like our thoughts manifest as our reality, you know, so like if you if we in- internally tell ourselves that we can't do something, then we can't because just because we're telling ourselves, you know, it's really just a mental shift that needs to happen. Like one of my favorite art teachers, he, he works at the college where I work here. And, uh, and I, I love his style because he basically just like gives you permission. You know, it's like, yeah, dude, you, that's cool. That's cool. Whatever you're doing, it's fucking sweet. Like it doesn't matter, you know, and, uh, it's, uh, because a lot of it is just that, that internal binding that we have from, 
some first grade teacher that told us our drawing sucked or whatever it was, you know, that's like stuck in our head. And like, we just need permission from ourselves, you know, to, yeah. to, to do it, you know? Um, and yeah, really, seriously, what I had to do whenever I started doing the doodles that I've uh, been working on, I just literally threw that out the window, like the self-judging part of it. And literally only allow myself to thought to um and it's not like i got caught up on them either i just like if any thoughts came that were like this sucks or this is bad i would immediately recognize the thought and go oh that's not really what i think oh yeah. I that's not helpful nice. i don't care and so <laughs> eventually i just kept practicing that kept practicing that and it took a while it took a long time like a year at least maybe really? a year and a half before it finally just went away and then sometimes it still pops up but now i'm just like bitch nah <laughs> so then what's left is either you're not thinking about anything which is great or you're thinking oh that looks pretty cool oh i like that i'll do that oh if i, I could do this and then yeah like that really, yeah there's only two ways that your brain operates it either operates on telling you what you can't do and why and why you should be afraid or tell us, telling you what you could do, how you could do it and why you should be stoked. Yeah, absolutely. That's the duality there. Yeah. It's like love and hate basically, you know, like, yeah, it's that internal critic can be an asshole, you know, and, yeah. uh, I've been reading, if you ever read it, there's a book called uh, the untethered soul that somebody recently turned me on to. I've been reading and it's a lot about, uh, um, openness it has a lot to do with meditation and stuff but it talks about it it boils down a lot of meditation concepts and stuff into like this basic thing of that you are the quiet center beneath your thoughts you know that like like you're talking about you don't have to listen to those thoughts because that's not really you that's clutter in your brain that's floating around that your your spirit is deeper than those thoughts and that you know that those things are transient they're constant transient floating things that that don't really you don't have to listen to them you don't have to pay attention to them you can just bear on i love that idea though like retraining your brain you know uh and I, i've basically been there i've done the same thing with uh i think meditation helped too though i mean yeah Meditation well, yeah. alongside the practice, like not while I was drawing, but it allowed drawing to kind of be a meditation. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe if you find yourself really drowning on the underneath the surface of the, the thought ocean, so to speak, and you can't get to the, you know, the air part where you're feeling positive and creative, the best place to try to get to is just look for, look for the point of contact between the air and the water, you know, get to that spot. That's where you're trying to get because you, you, you think, you know, you're trying to get up into way up into the flying heights um, by the sun, but you're down in the depths of the ocean. Well, that's mm -hmm. impossible, but you could get to the surface maybe. Mm -hmm. it's like That's what meditation does. It kind of puts you in that middle spot like you're talking about just being the quiet center and not because, yeah. you know, in meditation, you're not trying to identify with good or bad thoughts. You're trying to identify with zero thoughts. Right. Finding the quiet in the, in the storm of, of your inner consciousness, you know? It's like closing all the browsers on your web page. Like <laughs> you have too many tabs open on your computer. Yeah, that's a great way of putting it. Meditation is like, ooh, there's one, close it, and then the next thought comes up and you go, oh, you're closed. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cleaning out the, cleaning out the, uh, the desktop and getting a, getting a zen space going there. Yeah. You know, do you have any kind of daily practices like uh, 
anything that you, know, you try to I, uh, I do this thing every, most every morning. Uh, uh, there's a book called The Artist's Way that I read several years ago, and it encourages um, uh, like a 10 or 15 minute, uh, it's called The Daily Pages, where you basically just free associate just dump all the subconscious shit that's in your head for that morning. And it's, it's a bit, basically a form of kind of writing meditation in a way for me. And, uh, and it, you're supposed to just kind of just, just dump it out without stopping, you know, just kind of, and I'm a really fast typer. So it's like, I just do it at my computer when I get to work in the morning, like the first 10 or 15 minutes and just kind of like, sometimes it'll be just like the dreams I've had or, or, um, dreams of things I'm wanting to do or whatever. But a lot of times it's almost like free word association, free verse poetry or something But like, um, it seems to work for me, but also I do, uh, I do meditate. I don't do it as much now. I went through a, a period of time where I was doing it all the time. I, uh, uh, I was having a, I was going through some struggles and it was a, it was a way to get back to my center, you know? Um, and, uh, I've found that to be, um, a super effective, um, just a, a way to get back in touch with yourself, you know? Um, but sadly I, I don't do that nearly enough any here lately. Um, and I miss it, you know, <laughs> me too, but <laughs> see, I'm trying not to get into that whole headspace of, um, you know, lacking something just because it's good for me and then getting down on myself because I'm not doing it, which is like feeding the negative thought that keeps me from doing it in the first place. Yeah. 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 Off the table. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, you know, not uh, everything has its season and comes and goes, but I do think the more consistent I can be with it, the uh, smoother my life does end up being, it does sort of like still the waters of chaos a bit. It's yeah. true. It does that to the external world as much as it does to the internal world. It almost even makes me feel like I have more time, and yeah. which is strange because you're yeah. spending time when you're in meditation. So here's what I think: like maybe it does because we don't really understand time at all in the first place, and the passage of time. If you know it's relative, because there's sometimes where it goes quickly and sometimes where it does, uh, it drags on and on. You know, you close your eyes to go to sleep and sometimes it's like you just blink and you're in the next place. You're awake mm-hmm. or you're awake again, I should say. So, mm-hmm. you know, time is relative. Maybe in the act of meditating, you are switching off all this input, sensory input. And by just breathing in and being aware of your internal space, maybe it's like creating gaps, creating a gap in your actual life experience um, pushing out a bubble in a sense. And maybe that is somehow uh, because you've, you know, you don't have so much mental processing power being used up later in the day because you've closed some of those browser tabs. It's like, um, it's like you can have, you can actually react more or notice more in each moment that you're in. You get more of the moment in a sense, because you're not just, taken out of it by this subconscious processing. So it almost like stretches it out and relativistically speaking, gives you more time. You get more aware. Yeah. yeah. It's like, it creates more air. It's almost like a, like having like a minimalist home, you know, like when you get things good and clean, you have that feeling when you get like all the clutter out of your house or whatever. And it's like, all of a sudden things are just much more, 
calm and comfortable and yeah, the day goes longer and things are something about slowing down too. You know, like we live in this hyper connected, hyper, hyperactive culture with things flying by our eyes and brains at million miles an hour constantly. And just having this like moment of, of just devoted to silence and quiet, like awakeness, you know, where you're not sleeping, you're just like, just being, just purely being is a very powerful thing. And also just kind of waiting, you know, like I, uh, I had this conversation at Standing Rock. I was waiting to get my press credentials and me and a, a lady I'd never met before, but actually from Fayetteville, Arkansas, I've met up there. Weird. Um, well, yeah, right. And we had a whole bunch of mutual friends like, yeah, it's cool. Uh, but um, that's one of those cool uh, synchronicities that happen in the world, you know. But uh, we were talking about the, this, the idea of, of being patient and waiting. You know, sometimes like, you know, things will come along to you and things come to your mind or synchronicities or, or coincidences come along when you just sit and stop stressing, stop chasing, you know, stop running uh, and, and just, you know, like just take that, take that breath and just, and you know, that like meditation kind of taught me to that, that active, like, uh, uh, just breathing, you know, like a lot of times, like if you get stressed out and things get overwhelming or whatever, it's like, are you breathing? Like, did you stop and take a good deep breath? Like, you know, it's wild that we can like forget such basic things, but like, I think that's, that's one of the powers of meditation too, is that control of the breath, you know, and the just focusing on the act of breathing and kind of takes you out of your mind a little bit, you know, taking over that involuntary function that your body normally does without you doing anything to think about it and just actively, that's actually a really I don't know. It's, it's fascinating that we can even do that, that we have, you know, these involuntary functions that we can just manually override and just do them, you know? Wonder. I, it makes me wonder if they're really involuntary or not. Maybe they're not involuntary so much as your subconscious makes them involuntary just so you don't fucking die. But like, yeah, yeah. For all we know, we're the only animal that forgets to pay attention to breathing. Like all we know, every other animal is focusing on that first and foremost before anything else. Maybe that's why a giraffe can get chased by a lion and get away and be safe and then go like, you know, chill out and start eating some grass and all the stress chemicals leave its body and um, response chemicals come in and bring peace and harmony back to the giraffe and it doesn't store any of that and it doesn't get an ulcer. (laughs) But a person, you know, gets stressed out about how their day went at work and uh, they can't let it, they just can't let it go. They're so pissed yeah. home and got yeah, yeah. on their kids and their wife and, over it. Yeah. and then they have a heart attack. Like yeah. maybe the giraffe is just breathing a hell of a lot better than the other. <laughs> so mad. I can't even, I can't even breathe. No. I mean, and I mean, that's pro- it's probably the case. This actually, <laughs> it's funny that I'm using this example because it's kind of like, my day was kind of that way at a point. Um, I, uh, I work with my mom. She's my boss also, cause I work at the company that she yeah, works at. And so anyway, I go, I go in there at one point today to her office for some reason. And she's like, instead of talking to me like a boss, she goes into mom mode and she's like, Hey, um, you seem kind of pissed off. Are you okay? And I was like, I'm fine. Everything's fine. What? I thought I was just being neutral, but of course, you know, your mom can sense your energy or whatever. Oh yeah. <laughs> and I was like, okay. You're making that face you made when you were an infant, when you had to go poo, you know, <laughs> like something's wrong. <laughs> so I went back into my room and I was just like, well, I don't really take breaks in the day ever. So 
maybe just this once I can just set a timer for 20 minutes and sit and breathe for 20 straight minutes. And maybe no one will come in my room that whole time, which is, I, I pulled it off actually. But anyway, nice. um, it was nuts how much I felt better than like going to bed and sleeping for six or seven hours after it was over. And like, there were worse circles under my eyes than there are now <laughs> at the time. And those kind of like cleared up. My eyes felt better. Um, I could think more clearly. I, I just felt better. And I really think like you change your brainwave pattern with meditation and certain brainwave patterns are not that different than sleepwalking um, or being in a dream and not conscious that you're in it. So, you know, um, if the breath is really that powerful control mechanism that helps us regulate what brain state we're in, and the brain is really just a tool that lets us go in the negative direction or the positive direction based on taking in information from our environment and connecting it into patterns, uh, then maybe by forgetting the breath, which is the most basic thing about even fucking staying alive, we might be forgetting, we might be losing the control switch for our entire being. Right on. I don't know. Yeah. Just, There's definitely some deep connection there with inner peace, you know, like, it helps. You definitely feel more alive if you breathe. And yeah. just about anything you're doing, you can do while paying attention to your breath just as well or better. Mm-hmm. Like maybe the first time you're learning something, you need to focus on learning the thing. But then after you have that in your head, like just breathe and do it. And that yeah, it's a great example of that. Which you take a lot of flow art photography. I'm sure you've seen the experts and they're probably like very zen. Oh yeah, man. It seems like such a meditative uh, art form, you know, that they really get into this, you know, uh, Zen space to do it. And, and I'm sure breathing has got to be a big part of that to keep them calm. You know, it's something I can't remember if I was talking to Stacy pants or somebody about, about that. I'd never really thought about it from a performance standpoint that they have this like stage fright kind of thing going on, you know, doing that in front of a bunch of people, which I don't know why I've ever sympathetically thought about that. Like, yeah, aside from the danger and the, and the, uh, the risk of playing with fire in general, but performing it in front of a huge group of strangers, a lot of times, you know, there's a, there's an adrenaline nervousness that goes into that, that I had never really considered before. Um, that makes me appreciate that art form more and what they're doing for, for us, you know, um, it's such a beautiful thing. I love how that's developed over the past, you know, the festival culture over the past 10 years, it's, it's gone from like, hula hoop girls at string cheese incident shows which used to be the only place you would ever see that yeah uh, once upon a time not really that long ago honestly and uh and then now it's like there's seems like there's new toys like puppy hammers and shit like but you know like there's i don't know it seems like every time i turn around there's like a billion new cool flow toys you know this is something thing. i wanted to bring up actually uh we i think that human beings the more of us that do a thing the better we all get at that thing faster uh, I'm noticing this to be more and more true. And then there's like scientific experiments that demonstrate this in other animals to be true. Like, I don't know if you've heard of the experiments where they take a group of mice in one city, uh, completely separate them, but uh, take half of them and take to another city, um, like across the world, thousands of miles, and then teach one group of rats a maze and put you know some reward at the end and time them. And then you give the exact same maze to the other group of rats and they have quicker first times getting through it than the other rats did. It's like they're somehow getting information from the other group of rats from 
uh, long distance instantaneous collective psychic knowledge ba- bank somewhere in the in it's the been atmosphere. replicated too. Like that's definitely a thing. And I watched a rock climbing documentary about these guys that were climbing in Yosemite in like the fifties and how it took them a fucking month to climb up the face of this one particular, uh, huge rock, like 2000 feet. And then uh, 50 years later, there's guys climbing the whole thing in a couple hours with no gear. Yeah. 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 Like what is going on with that? And I've definitely seen with the flow arts are a great example of that because like how fast do you see new people pick up and learn uh, flow arts like really quick lately. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they get to stand on the shoulders of giants as they say, you know, just like uh, any, any collaborative, uh, uh, constructive knowledge base, you know, you don't have to learn those lessons that the other guy had to torture himself learning. You just, he just tips you off to the thing he eventually figured out, you know, Oh yeah, don't fuck around with doing that for two weeks. Just do this, you know, or whatever. But then there's also that, that telepathic weird thing, like you're talking about with the mice. I really believe in that. I think that that, I think the ideas, uh, ideas are in a sense, like, their own entity you know they kind of float around there and and multiple creatives over the years have talked about that how like a like ideas will visit you and if you don't express them in their time that that they want to be expressed they'll move on you know like uh like i've I've read that with writers uh you know like i had this idea for a book and i never did express it and then i see it taking shape in some other author's you know novel because i fucked around and waited too long you know the the muse moved on or whatever but there i love that idea i think there's uh there's so many that's just one of one of one of the many examples of we live in this magical world you know like we uh we we uh we have like science scientifically measured it and 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 you know we've made it rational in certain ways but there there's still so much magic and irrational supernatural aspects to it and i for me i'd rather live in the magical world you know what i mean like i i like i love science and i love you know the the advancements that we've made off of at the same time like i prefer to believe in the esoteric magical things because for you know you see them happening for one thing, but yeah. also it just makes, it makes life more interesting. You know, like uh, Ken Kesey had a quote. He was like an early hero of mine. I actually was a pen pal with him for a while. Uh, like early days of email or when I had like the, like, I was in like 10th grade, 11th grade or something back in the late nineties. But uh, one of my favorite quotes by him was uh, uh, talking about, he was, he was a magician. That was one of his like little hobbies on the side is he loved to do like card tricks and magic for kids and stuff. And, uh, and he had this quote about um, like people wanting to know how to do the magic trick, you know? And, and when you tell them the magic trick, then it just fucking ruins it. You know, that's kind of like a magic ma- magician's like code that you never tell how you did it. And the main reason is because, you know, it destroys the illusion, but the way, um, the way Kesey put it is people always think they want the answer, but what they really need is the mystery. You know, you need the, you need the crack in your mind where there's things that you don't understand, you know? And like, that's how, I don't know. That's just like a, a facet of humanity that we've always had. And I think we, I think we'd do good to keep that, you know, a little bit of like that, you know, that's one thing I really like about our, you know, psychedelic counterculture is we've, we've retained a little bit of a superstition, you know, Uh, like the magic rocks, you know, and uh, there's some superstitions that need to go though. And I think totally, totally. just just you explaining that right there gave me a huge, like shift in my own consciousness actually, because there's been so much talk lately about like this coming singularity where, you know, technology reaches some um, point where all of a sudden we each know everything there is to know. 
And like at that point, reality shifts or something changes or history resets or who knows what, but like, didn't that happen in 2012? It's Donald Trump. Thanks. Thanks. How, how is that any different than like the book of revelations rapture or any of that stuff? And like, does that really help us to, to like invest so much into that type of an idea of a future or to fear that type of a future when in reality, it seems like a misguided concept because if, if there is an infinite universe, if it, infinity as a concept exists then that crack in your mind where there's something you don't know could theoretically go on infinitely which doesn't means it doesn't matter how fast we ramp up and accelerate our communication and our data intake and all that you can't catch up to infinity it's infinity so i think i'm going to just disavow the whole singularity concept in my mind from now on and just be like well yeah shit's ramped up lately and the weirdness department in 2017 is going to be pretty crazy but like why should i expect that to change ever it should probably just always accelerate (laughs) yeah yeah man well yeah i feel you i feel like we we all kind of collectively went through a version of that with the whole 2012 thing i was joking about and then i did yeah, I mean, dude, it was it was a massive phenomenon. You know, the Daniel Pinchbeck, uh, you know, I mean, we had our, like, prophets telling us. I read us that what. book. I read Pinchbeck's book. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, I did, too. Uh, you know, the... Uh, I, you know that Naco lyric that he refers to that, to that, uh, to the 2012 thing? It's always kind of, I don't know, it's just a little minor aside in one of his songs. I don't know if you listen to Medicine for the People, but yes. it's a, a time-based prophecy that kept me from living, you know, and uh, and, and that's really kind of, you know it's almost like fearing, you know, like there was like all this trepidation and kind of hope and fear about this nebulous thing that was going to happen. And, you know, would it, would it stop you from doing something today? Because it, it, at the end of the day, you'll be enlightened at the end of the year anyway, or whatever, you know? Um, but, uh, yeah, there's, uh, there's some, there's some superstitions that definitely need to go for sure. Um, but, uh, you know, the ha- having a little faith, you know, um, faith is a faith is a magical tool you know what i mean just be, faith in the sense of just believing it's like believing in yourself that's how trump is president yeah dude i mean yeah he does not ever say anything that he can't do he only ever says i can do it it's the best yeah yeah he hey, I mean, he hey out. like this guy right here <laughs> muhammad ali i am the greatest you know i heard this uh I, and, and you know what you got to be your own biggest fan that's one thing i totally agree with donald trump on he fucking loves himself you know what i mean like yeah. He's a narcissist completely, but at the same time, it's like maybe I don't I mean you, if you're not your own biggest fan, nobody else is going to be. One of my uh, and that's something I struggle with a lot, man. I have a lot of self doubt. Like I don't know if he completely loves himself though. He's got the whole getting stuff manifested thing figured out, but I feel like if you really loved yourself, you wouldn't continue being that orange. You'd be like, mm. <laughs> <laughs> oh, he thinks he looks so good though, bro. You can tell that he's just like I bet he spends an hour in front of the mirror every morning, just sucking his lips together, just like I'm fucking beautiful. You know? I don't know if you ever watched South Park, but the way that they've done him on South Park is amazing. Oh, you're talking about the, uh, with Garrison being yeah, the, uh, Garrison. <laughs> like everybody to death. Yeah. Oh, it's so, I like, uh, it, it seemed like South Park, even, even the geniuses of Matt and Trey were, were caught a bit off guard by the, by the Trump election. You know what I mean? I think they were, I don't think they were ready for that. They, predict, they predicted it though. Did they really? In a way, in one of the episodes in the season before, uh, or maybe two seasons before, they had a Donald Trump-like character take over Canada, 
And oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't let this happen to you. Yes, yeah. Cautionary tale. And then boom. <laughs> Man, I, I had I had serious worry for a long time about I mean, it just seemed like it was an unstoppable phenomenon, you know what I mean? Like that celebrity side of things. I always I was saying all year this year is like we have these X factors where it's like this dude has a household name. He's been a household name since the eighties, you know? And for the most, for the majority of that time, there was no negativity really associated with his name. It became negative recently, you know, with the, you know, kind of just because he's an asshole and, you know, saying all these things that are super, uh, you know, callous and, and, uh, and harsh, but what, you know, like, I don't know. It just, it, it, it didn't really surprise me that much that this has happened, you know, sometimes it's like, we kind of, we kind of earned it. You know what I mean? Like we, he kind of represents so many things about our culture that we need to deal with. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, first of all, we need to just decide, well, people like that are not in charge. So like, yeah, yeah. let's learn that lesson really good. You know, like maybe we need a good hard smack in the face of why you don't, why you don't let people like this run shit probably review what we even consider a governmental structure would be best like i think we might as well just start over we have the ability to communicate so so completely in mass that like if there was ever a time when eh, maybe we should rethink the constitution do a new constitution just see what the people want to do this would be a great time for that. Like, why Absolutely. do we have to have this religious conviction to a document that nobody even under like reads anyway? <laughs> Duh. It's just, it's stupid. Um, definitely. They didn't know about the internet back then. Definitely. I don't personally vote because I think that there might even be like some es- on an esoteric level. There definitely is a kind of like ritualistic dark magic type of thing going on. Whenever you cast a vote, Cast being the same word as the use for spell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. For um, sure. You're putting your two-dimensional imprint with a. Uh, you're giving your two-dimensional imprint a version of you in a lower dimension that is basically contained within a contract uh, that says one of these people is going to be in charge of me, regardless of which one I'm choosing. And so, like. On a personal level, you know that your life and your reality is completely controlled by your belief structures, which is sort of like a dimensional level down from physical reality. It's like two-dimensional to three-dimensional, your beliefs versus your experiences. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. Just like the rules, of a, um, the rules of code in a 3D video game are actually written in two-dimensional code. Sure. So, or like your physical body is contained the information for it is contained within the two-dimensional code that's DNA. So whenever you're putting yourself down in that uh, two-dimensional imprint in that ritualistic way, which is happening the same way every four years, everybody is um, doing it in a very specific fashion. It's like organized the same way every time. It's, it's all basically just the whole cultural war right now that's going on is essentially like a big game of divisions and dividing your own authority from your, your own personal self is the first division that goes on and probably the most damaging one. I mean, it starts with starts when you're a kid and they tell you Santa Claus is the one bringing your presence, not your parents. I mean, that separates you from your own personal source of abundance, which should be your family, which is directly connected to you. And instead, you know, puts an idol in there. There's, there's a lot of like weird occult stuff going on with our government too, that I think people are only just now 
waking up to a little bit. Like if you've heard of the Podesta thing. Um, oh, yeah. With like the um, magic cooking and um, weird, essentially it's like satanic seeming rituals and stuff. And I mean, I say satanic. I don't really know if they would say that they're worshiping Satan per se. I don't care really. It's just like there's all these secret societies that uh, are. Oh yeah, I like the, right the Bohemian Grove, you know. And uh, you know, have you ever delved into all that? That's oh, like, yeah. that's some crazy shit. I actually know a dude when I played in the band. We went out and played in Napa Valley, and I uh, we had a sit-in drummer that was a, uh, a food server at Bohemian Grove. And, whoa uh, yeah yeah uh, and so i mean it's yeah it, that kind of stuff there's definitely some weird occult dark uh practices that go on at the high levels of our of our government structure that's for sure anyway so that's why i personally just think it's best if people don't even get involved and if they have voted to like mentally disavow it a state state that they are not you know uh, a slave to the system or connected to that system that they are their own personal authority and they you yourself can decide what's right and wrong by listening to your own self because yeah. every human has that ability uh, innately and it's only until we're like really corrupted that we lose that ability but that's um you know on that subject like on big divisions i want to go back to the whole standing rock thing and get a little bit more out of you on your experiences there. I know you said you had a wreck on the way up. So let's start with that. Oh yeah. Yeah. That was kind of wild. Okay. So the whole thing is like, I, like I felt this, I've been feeling this urge to go up there for weeks, you know, like the Thanksgiving weekend, I was, I was really wanting to go up there because uh, that beginning of that week is when the water cannons were fired at the protesters and stuff. Right. And, uh, and you know, I, with the cultural significance of the connection with native Americans and, thanksgiving and you know um there was a big incident on thanksgiving day that's when the that's when the uh or maybe the day after thanksgiving whenever the police pushed the the, the water protectors back from their 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 furthest encampment that the water protectors kept advancing their their encampment over further into the the dapple property basically which is all unseated land that the tribe considers to be theirs i don't know if you know the whole backstory of all that but the uh I've just been reading up a lot on that recently. You should give the backstory. Okay, so check that. This is I'm a, I'm a marketing PR guy at my day job, right? And so, like, I I want to if this had continued, I was about to volunteer my my opinion and and services to try to help them communicate their their position better because I just recently discovered that one of the big contentious points for the tribes was that okay. And this is one of the big conservative talking points that when people talk shit about how this whole Standing Rock protest is stupid, one of the things they say is that it's not even on reservation land, you know, and that's technically according to the legal current situation. That is legally, according to the U.S. government, true. But the the pipeline passed under the lake uh, that was the Missouri River that now is called Lake Oahe which was created by the U.S. Corps of Engineers when they dammed Lake, uh, when they dammed the Missouri River in the 50s. And before, the, before that dam project, that property where the Dapple Pipeline is going into, that was reservation land that the Corps illegally took through eminent domain from the tribe without their permission. And they flooded 60,000 acres of prime timberland and prime agricultural land and they forced the tribe to move from their homes in the dead of winter so they could flood it. And so 
that issue has never even been discussed. Like the tribe's not even using that as a, as a, they're not even telling that backstory of this is why we, we think this is ours. And this is why we're pissed. Like, I feel like if they would have explained that a little better, it would have, they would have got the public on their side a long time ago, you know, because that's, yeah. I mean, I had to do some really, really deep digging. I actually only just found that account like yesterday. Um, but so, but the tribe has been saying that, that, that the, the pipeline property is unseated treaty land which, which they consider to still be theirs they just didn't tell the whole story of the dam and the lake um but so uh anyway getting to like i i finally just i, I heard the, the 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 tribe drum beating in my head and i just couldn't resist it anymore and like part of my thing with with um as i've as i've like developed myself as a person over the years like i was a really like kind of messed up kid you know what i'm saying like i I had to i've done a lot of like self you know analysis and growth over the years to get out of some really bad habits and you know uh destructive habits and stuff and negative thinking and all this and so one of the one of my guidelines you know for me is just to follow my intuition you know and i think that that's that's just something that i can trust is that like my gut you know, if I listen to it, it usually leads me to cool shit, you know? And, uh, and I think that's true for all of us, you know, if we'll just listen to that little voice inside of our head that says, do this or do that. And so I just felt it and I know what it sounds like in my head. And it was just screaming at me, you know, go to standing rock, you know? And, uh, and it was, it almost reminded me of like, uh, uh, the, uh, you ever seen that Stephen King or read the Stephen King book, the stand or, uh, or seen that movie. Uh, it's a, it's an apocalypse uh, story where this super virus that they call captain trips, like kills like 90% of the population and everybody starts having these dreams and like half the people are having dreams to go to Las Vegas. And that's where like the dark people are kind of going and collecting. And then the other half are having these dreams of this old black lady playing a guitar and, and she's telling them to come to uh, Nebraska, you know, to, to Hemingford home, Nebraska, or whatever. Anyway, i kind of felt like in a way that the, the thing got so strong, it was almost like dreams. I was like, I gotta, I've got to go to this, you know? And, um, and I'm, I'm making this way more dramatic, you know, cause these people, and I don't want to, I, I, I feel bad that I even went at the last minute in a way because some of those people that had been there for six and seven months, you know, and there was, those people are badasses, like, you know, uh, and, and I don't in any way want to claim to have anything to do with that strength or that honor that they exhibited because I just felt like I should come document the beauty that they created. You know what I mean? Like that's, that's my strength. And like, you know, um, and I just felt like I should go and, 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 take my take myself up there to try to to try to capture some of the beauty of what they were doing you know and that was the urge that i had so um anyway i finally got my shit together and uh and i work a nine to five monday through friday job uh my day job and so um i got out of there on friday afternoon and i was planning on going up there and uh just man it's like kind of sick and like had a cold. I'm still been coughing a lot of stuff. It's like, man, I'm trying to give us all these negative reasons why I don't want to take this 15 hour drive by myself, you know, to go to this place in the fucking tundra, you know, like it's like blizzards and shit. Like, but like, I just finally was like, I got to I got to go. I got to go. You know? So like I uh, gathered up some gear and like friend, good friend of mine gave me, thank God he came by and gave me some like bomb ass, like cold weather boots and stuff to borrow to, to keep me safe, you know? Cause like, it's nothing to fuck with up there, man. That was insane. And, uh, and so I just take off dude. And like, uh, I just got new tires on my, my forerunner a few weeks ago. I had these awful bald tires for the longest time. So that plays into the story. So like, I finally leave and, uh, I didn't leave until Saturday. Um, and, and so 
like I hit the road and, uh, and there's snow and like ice storms on the way up there and stuff. So I don't, I don't really even get into the reservation until like four the next morning, you know, and, uh, and just kind of constant travel. And, uh, man, there's this long road. It's actually the road that they blockaded off, uh, where the, where the water cannons were fired. Uh, it's 1806 highway that runs through standing rock reservation. And that place is huge. It's an enormous reservation. Um, and that lake runs all through the side of it. Like if you're heading North on 1806, the big Lake Oahe is off to your, to your right, like the whole way up. So unbeknownst to me, man, there had been like, uh, freezing rain on that, uh, up in that area. And so this whole highway was covered with black ice and because of these new tires on my forerunner and the fact that it's a big, you know, heavy SUV, I didn't feel any slips or slides or anything the whole time. I'm just trucking along. I was kind of going slower than normal, but not, not too much. You know, I'm just kind of like trucking on down the highway, you know? And, uh, man, I hit this, uh, I hit this little patch of ice and it just spun me around and uh it, like fishtailed and then i tried to correct it and then and it's like a little two-lane highway with these steep drop-offs on either side and i end up just fishtailing and hitting this embankment and going off sideways down this damn steep hill sideways and into this four-foot snow drift and wow uh, yeah dude it was scary but like as soon wow. as i uh <laughs> as soon as i like landed down there man my first thought honestly was like thank god like i'm not hurt. Like uh, this, this car is not destroyed. Like it didn't flip. You know what I mean? Like this is, this is better than it could have been. You know what I mean? And and so this is a, it was a really awesome way and in a very weird way. uh, It was an awesome entrance to the, to the whole experience because, you know, that was the day. And I should backtrack and say, one of the main things that compelled me to go is that the veteran deployment was, was scheduled for Sunday. Yeah. Yeah. And that, to me, that was fascinating. I I was, I love the idea of these beautiful souls that have fought for our country and they're just badass warriors seeing the injustice happening up there and, and collecting together in mass to go protect them from the police. You know, like that's, that's exactly what they were up there. doing. I've been waiting for the day that this happens. I've been always saying like, there's no new world order. There's no government apocalypse that's going to happen. The soldiers are, you and me are, are people who are soldiers. Some of them might be really brainwashed, but most of them would be like, no, dude, fuck this. They have the internet too. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, And so, you know, it was, it was, it's a beautiful thing. And I talked to quite a few of those guys. I wish I would have got some video interviews and stuff because like they were, like centered in themselves and on a spiritual mission, just like the natives were. they were like, this is wrong. Like we, like one of the guys told me, he's like, we, you know, we, we fought. Well, some of them actually expressed the, the opinion that they protected oil interests in other countries. And, and they learned the lesson of the fact that sometimes when you work for the government, you're actually on the wrong side. One of the guys told me that he's like, I, I spent my whole tour in Afghanistan protecting oil fields. And I see these cops essentially doing the same thing. And I want to go talk to them. I want to go tell them they're fucking up. Like I've been there, you know, uh, but uh, other ones expressed the, the idea of, uh, you know, that, uh, that they, you know, that they were, that they joined the army to, to defend freedom and liberty. And they see, you know, this is the injustice being committed on, on the first people, you know, like uh, the first nation, you know, that, that was here before any of us. And when it comes to land disputes, you know, I think we should have it written in our constitution. The natives always win from here on out. You know what I'm saying? Like they have, <laughs> we have enough. over enough, you know, like they, they deserve every consideration. And, and, you know, the way they, the way they organized that protest was beautiful. But I'll get into that in a minute, but 
Um, but yeah, so uh, the, re- the reason I brought up the vets just then is because as I was waiting on the side of the highway for the tow truck to come, which I was 40 miles from the nearest town. Uh, so the tow truck had to come from, uh, I forget the name of this town, but it was, it was like 40 miles away. And, uh, and so I had a good, a good chance to sit and watch the sunrise over Lake Oahe and, uh, every single car that came by stopped to check on me. Like, and it was 90% veterans, but like, I've been in wrecks before, wow. I've been, you know, times, yeah, dude, it was awesome. And, and like, they were all like, I was on a precarious spot too. I was on an icy, like where I, where I hit the black ice was on a steep upward slope you know so like the people that were stopping were risking their ass to stop and check on me you know because they everybody was having trouble getting up that hill anyway and so i thought it was so beautiful it was like a hundred percent of the people coming in support of this of this movement were the kind of people which it makes perfect sense you know they're the kind of people that care about other people you know and they're like coming you know gonna stop and see if i'm all right and like but uh you know met a bunch of cool people and a bunch of uh, indian uh, affairs you know the uh, the bureau of indian affairs cops on the reservation they were all really cool and they 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 showed up like minutes later and you know um but so anyway I, I got towed out and got up to the res and uh and like man just just arrived just seeing the beauty of that um the, the camp was called Achete Shakawan, which is the, uh, it means the seven fires council, um, which is, uh, it's like the, the different, the different tribes that, that represent the Sioux nation. And, uh, one of the, one of the many, um, historic things about this whole deal was that this is the first time all of those, uh, Lakota and Dakota tribes have, have met together since like wounded knee, I think they said, but like, you know, they're all joining. Yeah. That's an enormous, beautiful thing. And, you know, before I got there, like I said, I had my doubts. I was listening to liberal media and conservative media and they had these different spins. And I was thinking, you know, the truth is clearly somewhere in the middle, you know? Um, but, but as soon as I got there and, you know, like I said, I, I follow my intuition and I kind of, I kind of tend to lean on my intuition and the vibes of a situation. Like I think a lot of us do to, to kind of suss out what, what we, you know, what's going on in certain situations. And from the moment I arrived there, I felt this incredible sense of ceremony and, and sincere, solemn, spiritual practice. You know, like these people were dead serious. Like they weren't playing games about this is sacred water and these people, the black snake is the devil. They're coming to destroy our world, you know? And, uh, and you know, there was, uh, there's all these talking points. Like one of the things uh, was about uh, 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 the, the tribe. This was all a big, uh, a big ploy to get a payout. You know, that was one of the talking points that's been floating around in the conservative media is the tribe was just being greedy. They, they wanted money. They wanted to tax the oil that was coming through. And it amazes me that anybody really believes that just if you look at the history of native Americans, like, yeah, they've been the greedy ones this whole time. You know what I'm saying? Like they've been the money hungry, thieving liars, you know, like God knows the natives have always been out for money. But so when you judge something, you usually are just judging what you, what your own, what you're on yeah yeah yeah, yeah. which is, that, that tells the whole tale of the tape right there you know it's like yeah. of, course, of course they're gonna think yeah, that's like, what you would do that's what you would do exactly you can only fool somebody on the same level as you are or whatever you know you can you can only see things from your angle um but i thought that was hilarious and actually that leads me to a little aside um are you familiar with the uh the sacred black hills of the sioux 
Yeah. You ever heard about that, right? You know, and that's where they found all the gold. That was once <laughs> uh, part of reservation land of the uh, the Pine Ridge Reservation, I think. Or maybe it was all part of the big Sioux uh, reservation that, that originally existed before they parceled it out and stole half of it. But, if I may, um, anyone that yeah. wants more information on it should check out Daniele Bellelli's podcast called History on Fire. He just did a multi-part series all about the life of Crazy Horse. And a oh, lot nice. of it was about that history of the Black Hills. Almost. Ooh, I want to go dig into that myself. You should. It is really good. It's like an audio book, but by a badass guy. That is excellent. Yeah, fall free podcast. But go ahead. Sorry, cool. I want. I'm going to get that uh, from you when we finish. I'm going to yeah. dig it. I'm obsessed History. right now. History on fire. Very cool. Um, did he go into the uh, the 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 trust the, the the money trust that was created by the government in response to that? Like ultimately, after the Black Hills were taken, at some point, I think it was in like the 1880s, 1890s, the uh, the, the government basically tried to pay the tribes for, for the Black Hills. It wasn't when they took it, I don't think. I think it was sometime later. But this just relates to the whole, you know, quote-unquote greediness of these tribes is that uh, they were offered in, in, in 1800s money, you know, a couple hundred million dollars or something for, for this land. And they refused it. And so apparently it went into a trust. And at this point, the trust is up to like $1.3 billion and they still won't take it because they don't want the money. They want the land, you know, and this is like six generations later, they're still on it. You know, they're like, no, fuck you and your money, white man. We want this land. It's our sacred land, you know? Um, but you know, that's one of the things with the standing rock deal too, is that like from the, from the, the European standpoint, it's really easy for us to say, Oh yeah. Sacred land, whatever, you know, it's just a hill. You know what I mean? Like I've seen a lot of that of like the, the anthropologist came out there and determined that it wasn't really that sacred, you know? Really? And like, they're, uh, you know, it's almost like they, those guys were taunting the natives too, you know, because like the, one of the police encampments was set up on turtle Island, which is like a, a well-known place of like myth and legend for, for that culture, you know, like it's not, some bullshit they came up with to get money for the pipeline. You know what I'm saying? Like this is like a deep part of their culture and their tradition. And the cops were like set up on top of it with their razor wire and their binoculars and their guns, like prowling over these people. So to me, it became immediately, I mean, as soon as I got there, it was like, okay, yeah, aside from all of the uh, distractions and the spin, this is totally a battle of good versus evil. You know, like this is in the minds of the tribes and the tribes acted from a place of complete correctness. They acted from a place of peace, from a place of nonviolence and from prayer and, and, and ceremony, you know, and, and they, and they made that well known to everybody that was participating. That's one of the things when you get there, it's like, you know, you are to, you have to go to an orientation. It's like, you are to, you are to obey the, the rules and the traditions that are set forth here. This is an indigenous protest. You are a guest, you know, all the white and, you know, non-native uh, water protectors are welcome to assist, but remember, you know, that this is our, that this is our movement and this is our decisions to make on what happens and when and how we approach this, you know? And so like one of the things that just kind of uh, hit me as a just an intuitive sort of understanding is that I immediately saw that probably all of the, I would say almost all at least of, of the negative things that happened related to that, like, you know, uh, people saying that they burned a piece of equipment or whatever, um, would definitely not be the natives. You know, it's, it's well established that the natives that actually, that actually began this protest that actually have the, have the dog in the fight 
they did it with complete correctness. They didn't and, destroy and any property. They didn't. They, they didn't do anything violent. They they practiced the absolute Gandhi, you know, nonviolent resistance movement. And it's like that's such a powerful tool because what it does is it makes it makes the other guy punch you for no reason, basically. You know what I mean? Like if you just stand there and say. I love you. You know, like, I, you know, I'm not going to do, I, I disagree. I disagree. I disagree. Then the other guy eventually freaks out and hits you, you know, then it's like, Oh, there's the bad guy, you know, but, um, but that's yeah, essentially karma will karma will deal with that guy. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Just like karma will deal with you. If you act violently in return to violence being acted on you, like in the past long ago, like when the when crazy horse, for example, was around, he did terrible things to white soldiers, Ter- atrocious things. Now, if you put it on a scale, could it weigh up and ever equal the terrible things that were done to him and his tribe? Probably not. But it does, like, it definitely ripples out and keeps the cycle of violence stronger and stronger the more you respond with violence. And the powerful thing about the that peace protest, that love and... uh correct pure correctness is the moment that you choose that mode um that's the you win like even if you, yeah. even if you don't necessarily win that particular engagement in that like you maybe you get killed or you get kicked off of the land or whatever you you won the on the moral level you like humans other humans that are going to learn from this situation are going to learn from you the, the correct way of being as opposed to being shown yet again, another example of violence begetting violence, which, you know, right. that's the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, and, and you know, it's, it's, it's shown itself here in this situation. Like I think no matter what happens with the, uh, the end game, you know, like on, I mean, honestly, this, this whole victory for the tribe could be very short lived because, you know, Trump has already said he's in favor. He's going to, he's going to undo what, what Obama's administration just did as soon as he can, you know? Um, but at the same time, uh, I think what if the, what if the greater victory that, that was meant to come of this was, to to join the indigenous people to create healing with with the with the veterans and the US military forces and the youth culture of American counterculture to do something even greater against a greater evil for the world. You know what I mean? Like we're we're going into an age where we're the 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 lines are drawn. You know what I mean? Like that's one thing that to me is interesting about Trump becoming president is, you know, it's it's a it's a very clear and present danger now. You know what I mean? Like before, you know, it's easy to be complacent when things aren't that bad. You know what I mean? Like now things are really kind of fucking bad, you know, and uh and it creates this uh this urgency. And I think there's lessons to be learned from what the natives just did and there's there's uh there's there's harmony in, in, in their movement and, and uh, a connection that's been made for the first time ever between those tribes themselves reconnecting the tribes connecting with our tribe of the, of the, you know, the, the youth counterculture hippies of America, or so to speak, the, the burning man crowd. And then the freaking veterans, man, like we've got warriors, you know, like, uh, and, and so like, maybe, maybe the ultimate victory was never going to be about the pipeline project. Maybe it was just a matter of getting us all on the same page for some right. greater point. I think you're right. Because I saw a map of how many pipelines there are in the continental United, United States. And it's absurd. There's oh so yeah. There's so many there. I mean, and, 
But like one less pipeline, is it really going to protect nature that much? Well, for the people that live in that spot, yes, it's super important. And I completely agree that it should be stopped. But like, it is a, a way bigger deal to be uniting the groups that you're talking about. And for those, um, for everyone involved, because like you said, for everything you do on social media, um, that that you, you, every person you engage with, a bunch of people see it that don't engage. Yeah, yeah. So like, with the Standing Rock thing, how many of us felt that like you were talking about, like go to Standing Rock, go to Standing Rock, but couldn't quite go. So instead you supported it with information. Yeah. People that were all checking in just to throw off law enforcement's ability to guess who was there and how many people were there. Like all of those little things um, empower ourselves to uh, realize what kind of things that we actually can change in the world. If we work together, we could probably even un eventually undo this, this weird governmental system that we're in. I oh mean, yeah. Absolutely. Limit. Yeah, it really is. And you know, like you said, you know, some of the people on the fence, like this is the way I look at it. Chances like this, uh, this was a, this was a practice run, you know, uh, and, and it got, uh, it got everybody moving and it, and it showed us, the the power that we have together and so next time easy. that was a hard environment to be in oh god it was diff yeah incredibly harsh and and facing down you know the oil industry is a mighty mighty uh foe you know what i mean there and uh, a lot of sheriff departments weren't there a lot of police officers that oh yeah that wouldn't do it that like left the scene yeah the yeah yeah and they had a crisis of conscience yeah and uh and, and for good reason you know because yeah. you see you see you know, 70 year old Lakota, you know, elder ladies on the front lines and they're tear gassing them for no fucking reason because they're praying in front of a barricade. You know, it's like, uh, you know, um, and, and you know, one of the techniques they started using chance was, uh, was the mirrors. Actually, they did like a little March around the camp after the victory thing with uh, all the mirrors. And it was, it's a technique. I think that got started over in, um, in Europe somewhere, but it's basically showing the riot police to themselves. Like, look what you've become, you know, like, Look at you. Look at yourself. Like, what are you doing right now? And yeah. the, the psychological like Darth Vader. Stop. Yeah, dude. Exactly. And a lot of the people won't look at themselves, you know. And so it's that bringing that humanity into it, you know, um, uh, that we are the same. Or why are you fighting for the evil empire against your your fellow human being, you know? Um, and but I think that there's a there's a lot of power, and that we're just coming into it. That it was just that was like the first flex of a muscle as we're starting to wake up this sleeping giant, you know, and uh, yeah. and so it's a it's a cool thing, you know, and like and the, uh, I, monkeys that okay, I'm sorry, it's like the hundred monkey effect though, ten percent monkey. Um, it's okay. That's the name of the theory I was telling you earlier, where like the rats learn something in one spot and then learn. Oh it yeah, yeah. Else. Okay, so I feel like this could have been maybe that that critical mass point where enough of us wake up to our own power. Not just wake up to the truth because we've all been seeing the truth for a while, but wake up to a higher truth, which is that we are very, very capable of uniting. It doesn't matter what the climate is, whether physically or politically. Um, we can make actual change. We can bring real awareness to things. It doesn't matter how blacked out the media is. We are our own media now. You know, we create the news for each other and we have these kind of conversations so that um, those of us who are able to go to Standing Rock, like yourself, are, can, you know, spread what you learned to the rest of us who were wanting to go but had other um you know, other avenues of self-development and other ways that they were trying, you know, busy, 
was yeah. Yeah, say, yeah. But, you know, like just cause you couldn't go, don't feel bad that you couldn't go. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you're, you know, people watching and observing and feeling it and supporting it in their own way. And then, you know, I mean, it, then what I was starting to say earlier is like the, the, the next, the next crisis that comes along that, that, the, that, that our body, you know, has to, has to try to reject, you know, like maybe next time more people will find, find a minute, you know, to, to, to come and throw in on it, you know? Um, and, and then all, I don't know, man, I feel like in a way it's like watching the, like, like that, did you see that press release that the pipeline put out where they, they said they, they were, they wrote the letter to their investors the day that the, that the, uh, that the easement was, was denied on, on Sunday or on Monday, I guess maybe they sent it out. So it's like, basically they just said they defied it. They said it doesn't, it's not going to slow us down at all. Right. But I saw, I sensed fear in that, in that, <laughs> in that missive, because it was like, calm down investors. Like, Holy shit. We just got the fucking death star got blown up and we're going to rebuild it. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not going to stop anything. We're still going to blow up planets. We just have to rebuild this fucking death star real quick, you know? Uh, but I think it was like a, a huge, a huge win for the rebellion. You know what I mean? Like, uh, people with like infinite money hoses are not used to being able to, or being stopped from doing something. Yeah, exactly. Put more money on it until it changes into what they want. And yeah, yeah. Find it like, just like the natives, the natives are immune to that. They wouldn't take the money. It's still in the yeah. trust. Like, okay, spray all the money you want at this situation. They're going to stay at Standing Rock. They don't have any yeah. to go. They're going to unite. Did, did you see that awesome uh, 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 response that the, that the cha- I think the chairman, uh, Archibald or whatever his name is, the, the Sioux, uh, Standing Rock Sioux uh, main guy, after the, the governor of North Dakota uh, put out an eviction notice. Um, yeah. a, week, a week ago before the last blizzard. Right. And I thought it was so great. The, 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 the sly response that the, that the native tribal leader well, put out. There. I noticed it wasn't it because it was the condition conditions were unsafe. Yeah. 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 Okay. And there was so much hypocrisy in that, but the, but the way the native leader guy put it, he's like, he's like, I can understand how the governor and the police would, would, would be worried about the weather because they're relative newcomers to this place. But uh, we've been around, you know, for a long time and, and we've weathered the winters here for a couple of millennia, at least, you know, like <laughs> don't worry about us. And also like you fuckers were spraying us with water last weekend, you know, like I you weren't be worried about our safety then. Just but, go back uh, into your house with your heaters. We'll be yeah, fine. Yeah. Right yeah. And those guys, you know, it's like, Hey, you don't want I, I love, a lot of the native, uh, the, the, those warriors that were out there that, uh, you know, they were talking about like the, the, one of the main mental victories that was taking place was they, they knew just innately deeply knew the cops don't want to be there. You know, it's like this Holy war where one side the whole time. doesn't want to be there. And the other side really, really wants to be there. You know, they really believe the shit out of it. You know, these one guys are just making a paycheck and they're miserable. And then the other guys are on a holy mission and they're, and they're totally devoted, you know, and it's a, it's a very one-sided battle. The only way that the, uh, the wrong side can win that battle would be to just kill everybody. And they can't do that anymore. That's not Mm going to happen. And they totally would have, if they could have, they totally would have a long time ago. I mean, when they sick the dogs on them, you know, back a hundred years ago, that, that was private security, pipeline security that did that they would have just mowed them all down. You know what I mean? If it, if it would have been the native tribes resisting a, a industrialist in the 1890s, it would have just been a mass murder and nobody would have ever known about it, you know? Um, Let's take a quick pause because I got to pee. Okay, well, me and Jamie just took a quick pee break, so that's why there might be like a weird gap there. Anyway, <laughs> we're back now. Um, I guess actually I want to ask you anything you want to tell people as far as how to 
find you online? I know I'm going to share links and stuff, but is there anything you particularly want to point people to? Um, cool. Uh, I mean, Deadhead, so any events you want to talk about? Yeah, uh, you know, if the Funk Funkberry Festival is going to be the first thing that Deadhead Productions does. Uh, it's going to be, I think it's in the big, first weekend in May this year. Uh, we're moving it back a little bit. And uh, Funkberry was actually the first event that we did out at the farm, and uh, it was a it was a killer festival. It was a, it was small small festival, and uh, but it it's you know funk based, and who doesn't love funk music? And heard great things about it. Oh man, it's it's fun, and you know now the farm started to really take take a take shape and have this you know the more events we do out there like next season is going to be all three of our festivals will be at the farm you know and i'm excited about that because i've been kind of advocating for that for a minute you know i, I was wanting us to do highbury out there uh last year but uh you know i love the farm yeah man hell yeah dude of course you get married out there and uh yeah it's uh it's you know i think it's like our tribal home now you know what i mean like yeah. our uh, Midwest, you know, music family. We've had some tumultuous stuff going on, like the the, the loss of Harvest and Wakarusa, and then now I just heard, uh, uh, just today came out. Backwoods uh, will no longer be at Tataka Ranch. Did you hear that? I don't know if they'll still go or not, but um, dude, Backwoods was uh, the further I get from it, the more honest I can be about it. it was just a total cash grab. Oh, dude. Oh, yeah. It was, it, was, it, was, it was not like it was the year before. No, dude. It was so magical in 2015. That was one of the coolest. Okay, it wasn't just me that thought that, right? It totally Oh, yeah. Was so fucking yeah. awesome. Well, you know, when you have, like, police and sniper towers the second year, it's a little different vibe. But then, yeah, the cash bracelets and the uh, – just so many things. And, and, and you can't – I don't, I hate to criticize because I work with those people, you know, and Will, Will, I love you. <laughs> but, uh, but the, uh, you know, you can't step down production from year to year and expect people to be happy with it. You know and what that's I mean? what it was. Like if they had at least kept the same level of production, I wouldn't be criticizing it so harshly, but it really was like more restrictions, um, less cool stuff. So, yeah, exactly. Exactly. It was a really bad trade-off. It was a bait and switch kind of thing, you know? Yeah. Uh, and they tried, honestly, I had a lot of conversations with those guys too, because, you know, um, I, I, like I said, I'm, I consider myself a, a definite member of the Festivarian tribe, you know what I mean? And like, there's certain things that you just don't want to profiteer on, you know what I'm saying? Like, like there's, there's plenty of money to be made in the music industry. There's plenty of money to be made in vending, you know, um, and art. And in in photography, none of us are going to starve to death with with doing with doing cool shit in this world. You know what I mean? But like at the same time, just standing on the thing trying to make a straight dollar is is, is crass, and people can sense it. You know what I mean? Like if you're if you're giving excuses for why you're for why you're doing something, and you're having to defend it constantly, you should probably check it and make sure that you're not being incorrect. You know what I'm saying? Like all that blowback they got from those damn bracelets, it was like dude, this is a horrible idea. Don't, don't torture people with this. All it is is a way to try to make more money. Everybody knows it, you know? Dude, it's, it stressed it's, out the vendors pretty bad. Dude, it stressed everybody out. I got there and I forgot to get cash money before I came, Yeah, uh, you know? And like, sometimes you need cash, you know? And like, I, I was like, there's no fucking ATMs for 30 miles around this place. Are you serious? Like, uh, you know, and, and it was just a, it was an abusive move that was definitely not for the good of the customer. And if you're doing things that are, that are directly not for the good of your customer, you're making a bad decision. You know? It restricts the artistic vibe of the festival as well. And I yeah. understand wanting to make sure that vendors get uh, licensed and, in a spot and whatever. But I think 
festivals need to leave the leeway for the roaming small time artist to be left alone to do whatever. And I really believe that. I, I um, make it if you want to make them have to do a, a like walking bender wristband, then make it very clear that you expect that and make it very reasonable and affordable because essentially like. Uh, why do you see a whole bunch of like cool Wakarusa pins at every vendor whenever you go to Wakarusa? It's because uh, like 20 guys walked up to that vendor with their version of a Wakarusa pin and were like, hey, do you want to buy 10 or 20 of these? And the vendor's like, yeah, yeah I do. And it's just like this little miniature economy that completely gets crushed whenever you do the whole cash only wristband thing. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's just a bad idea, you know. Restricting more so at the festival, though. I'm sure there's plenty of good intentions in the festival as well. Oh no, they man, just yeah. Let, let's 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 cleanse the air because they totally yeah. did. They're, they, I love their art direction. Had a good time too. Oh man, I had a great time, and you know, I, I worked that both years. And uh, the well, the first year I did it as a as a you know a media uh, coverage for that drop, but then the second year I worked directly for them, and they treated me so well, you know, and, and I got to hire a crew of badasses to come in and work with me. And, you know, we had a fucking ball, you know, they actually treated me and my team better than any other festival ever has. They gave us a house. They gave us all golf carts, you know, they gave us, you know, the right. I'm frustrated with the bad things. That's why we're not, that we don't want to hate on it though. So I'm glad that we managed to get that flipped. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, man, like the, I love the, the, you know, the, I mean, they, they spent a lot of money on production. That, that was one of the things that I think was, was what brought their, their need for more money into the game is because they dropped so much on the stage production and on the disco portal i mean the disco portal probably i mean seriously dude the disco portal probably went through it probably cost them 30 grand you know to get that out there and to pay for all that fuel for the whole weekend just you know for the artist to run it you know 18 hours a day or whatever i mean i know the guys that built that thing and and they don't do it for free you know what i'm saying yeah. and so uh you know and, and all that stuff and they made big you know I kind of feel for the production team in the sense that like they invested some permanent structures out at Tatanka Ranch that are now assets they'll never get back, like the treehouse. They built that for that festival, you know, and that stage they expanded on it the second year. And that's all, you know, they're not going to break that thing down and rebuild it somewhere else. Was you know, that's the locality crazy. that no longer wanted them there? And that's the problem? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, the police had a big problem. And, you know, I mean, for what it is, man, like you you have to be very careful when you do a festival to, to make sure that you present it in a way that is um, palatable to the locals. You know, it, it takes a certain political type of personality to be able to present it in a way that's not offensive and not seen as being a uh, cash grab or being an arrogant outsider coming in and trying to take over and like not listening to the concerns of the community. You know what I mean? Like if you're just being a big threatening giant stinky group of kids. Yeah. Like yeah, that, totally. There's a certain level of size that maybe festivals should um, reconsider growing past like, yeah. and not that they shouldn't allow it to grow organically, but like, maybe put the brakes on the marketing funds once you hit a certain attendance level because you don't want to freak out. Like, I feel like we'd all be better off if there were more events overall rather than 
bigger ones. Fewer large ones. Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And I've always enjoyed the small, I grew up in a small town. And so like I thrive in the smaller festivals where I can like, you know, you feel like you can get to know everybody there. You know, you, you meet friends and you see them 50 different times over the weekend because it's a small town vibe, like 5,000 mm-hmm. people. That's one thing I really like about the farm is that it's like, it's going to be dialed in this next year. We've got, we've got guys out there clearing land over the winter and stuff. And it's going to be at right about that perfect population size, you know, and as we do all the events out there, we're going to develop that community vibe and everybody's going to kind of, it's going to, I hope it gets a little bit of that camp Zoe vibe without, without the crazy part, you know, where everybody kind of has their spot, their traditional spot where they go, you it's know, like you have Eureka artist vibe too coming in. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely, man. And, uh, and, and, you know, that community has embraced the whole thing, you know? Um, and, and I think it's safe there. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's in a safe place. The the police the are, are, are friendly. Support it. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the intentions are good. You know, like I really, you know, John, John Walker's got a good head on his shoulders and yeah, he, he, kinda, he, yeah, and he knows how to bring good people around him and, and give them the, the freedom to do their thing, you know, like, uh, very receptive to ideas and collaborative, which is the the sign of a good leader to me is somebody that listens and, and respects other people's talents and lets them shine, you know, and, uh, and, uh, you know, that, and also just an honest love for the community. Um, if, if I think we can all feel it when it's not, when it's not right, you know what I mean? Like when it's, when it's done for the wrong intentions or the wrong reasons, you know? Um, but so yeah, just a little pr- promo on that Funkberry in May, then uh Highbury, of course, 4th of July weekend, which will be right before the 4th of July, I think this year. Um, and then of course my favorite Hillberry, uh, it'll be, um, in October, of course, uh, trying to think of other stuff, other cool stuff going on. Um, you know, if people want to check out, you know, my photography, it's jamieseed.com is my website, but mostly I'm active on Facebook at Jamie Seed Photography. Um, and, uh, my personal page, you know, is where all the, all the political arguments happen. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but, uh, no, man, it's, uh, I, I love, I love social media. I love, uh, I love interacting online. So if anybody's out there listening to this and wants to, wants to get into a combo or, uh, share something cool, uh, feel free to hit me up on pretty much any form of social media. I've just recently discovered the joy of Snapchat. Uh, do you do that? Are you a snapper? I have, I have Snapchat every once in a while. I'll send one. There's certain people where I always check them. And then there are other people where I've got like several years worth of snaps saved up. If I ever want, got really bored and wanted to watch all the stuff their dog was doing. <laughs> I'm talking about my sister. I love you. I just, I just got behind one day and I never caught up. <laughs> I don't know. I'm going to watch him. I swear I'm going to watch him. So you want me to link to your Snapchat on uh, the episode? <laughs> well, if, if, you like, uh, if you like bad impersonations with shitty face and voice filters, then yes. Um, that's, that's been my joy in it is like uh, just, just being ridiculous. Like, Because uh, like for first on Snapchat for a long time, I was like, what is this? I'm pretty social media fluent, but I was like, what is this? Just a selfie machine? Like you just like yourself. But then I discovered those lenses, you know, and it's like like they change every day, and there's like crazy shit that changes your voice. Like I love, I don't know, I just have this like real weird, silly side where sometimes I'll just be in a mood, just like make up a voice and just make a character up and say some bizarre shit, like uh, you know. And so that's kind of I just use it as like a personal comedy, you know, just mainly to make myself laugh, you know. All right. Well, give me your Snapchat name and I'll link it on there. It's got to happen. 
it's Jamie Seed, all, all one word. Oh, that's uh, and that's pretty much, yeah. My, uh, that's like every entity on the internet. I, I started uh, I started out, you know, using that name on everything, and it's just been consistent. So you can... It's not your actual last name, though, right? Uh, yeah, it's not. It's not. And that, that will remain confidential. <laughs> <laughs> the, whole reason I, the whole reason I did that is uh, back in the MySpace days, like, uh, you know, it was all this early talk about, like... Um, uh, uh like internet privacy you know what i mean like there was kind of like a, like a you know your boss can google you and then they'll find out all this all this shit you did or whatever you know but really what that's a childhood name of mine i've had since i was a really little kid and uh and i've always identified with it a lot and uh i love like the potential in a seed you know like the power the inherent power in a seed you know and uh and so it's like uh it, it was given to me as a child and i've always kind of just embraced it and uh and and now it's just kind of become like a brand, you know what I'm saying? Like it's uh, yeah. it's really like it's the name that it's the name that my uh, like that that people gave me once they got to know me, rather than the name that I was born with, you know. It's sort of like I, a tribal thing. Yeah, really, it is, and I really enjoy it. It's and you know, it's funny. Like once I kind of embraced, like when I was first getting into photography, I kind of struggled with like what to call it. You know what I mean? Like what do I, you know? And I tried to go one route, tried to go another route. I tried to use like my middle name because it's kind of like a fancy middle name or whatever. And it was real weird and bizarre. And then I was like, man, everybody calls me Jamie Seed. Why don't I just call it Jamie Seed Photography? And then like as soon as I did that, it was like it all kind of just mesh together you know and uh it was really funny though because now like very few people i mean my close friends of course but like most people out there don't really that's the name they know you know and i'm totally cool with that you know so it's like a it's a cool thing it's kind of a yeah like a tribal thing i guess well you hear that tribe jamie is ready for you to reach out to him make contact send him a message whatever say hi tell him comment on one of his photos i think that's what you should do everyone listening should like go check out his page and comment on a photo that you think is amazing because it won't take you long to find one <laughs> and uh, i'm gonna go ahead and wrap this up here jamie super grateful you came on the show this was wicked fun i've been looking forward to this one for a long time i knew we would get it one day sooner than later because i if i just kept making them because you know like you, we were talking about earlier art is about just showing up and being consistent and then event, every once in a while you'll get the diamonds in the rough this episode hey, was one of those moments in my opinion where like some real diamonds came out and uh i'm, I'm glad we did it man we got to do it again anytime you want Hey, I'm down, bro. Let's make it happen. I had a great time. Thank you again so much. And uh, yeah, anybody out there that's uh, resonating with anything, if you want to talk more about it, hit me up, hit Chance up. Let's uh, let's make the future better than the past, you know? <laughs> Perfect. <laughs> All right. Much love, buddy. I'll talk to you soon, I'm sure. Right on. Much love, Chance. Thanks again, man. Wait, later. Green Lion. Part 5 shootout, you know. Yeah. Yeah, come on. You know you want to pass it Life is a privilege so don't lose it Life is a blessing you know want to waste it Want to waste it But a grand little youth man only 16 Already done time behind bars Little children are turn up missing A battered up wife full up her cuts and scars Thinking of the future, wondering what will it be. Study your lessons, count your blessings. Blessed to see another day closer to my destiny. Keep my focus, stay grounded. Cause I don't ever wanna stray from reality. Life 
is a test, you know you won't be past it. Life is a privilege, so don't lose it. Life is a blessing, you know won't be worse it. Are we looking over green pastures? Yeah. Are we really facing disaster? What are we doing? Will the angels protect you? I pray for you. Cause I know that life is greater. Yeah. I will about things me have to see. But first me have to tell them, put down the AK. We now have to see no more gunshot or spree. Stop kill people in the middle day. Suicide, it's a suicide. Tired of drive-bys and homicide. Me want to see the people, them unify. Me have to live a better life. Yo, boom. Life is a test, you know you want to pass it. Life is a privilege, so don't lose it. Life is a blessing, you know want to waste it. Want to waste it. Yeah. Life is a test, you know you want to pass it. Life is a privilege, so don't lose it. You know you have to pass it Life is a privilege so don't lose it Life is a blessing you know I'm to waste it I'm to waste it Yeah Life is a test you know you have to pass it Life is a privilege so don't lose it Life is a blessing you know I'm to waste it I'm to waste it Already done time behind bars. The con children are turned up missing. A battered up wife full up her cuts and scars. Are we looking over green 